0: Hello and welcome back to not so silent reading with Charlotte and Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi, Char. Hello. How's it going?
1: Is it wonderful? I'm glad to be back. I also would say, like, not to toot our own horn, but look at us uh, doing a podcast a month already on on schedule. <laughs> on schedule, exactly.
0: I think we're like having it. a theme. Like, starts us. off the month fresh with a new episode. Yeah. Totally.
1: A nice reason to like check in and like have a little downtime together and chat about these books.
0: I'm very curious to think to like know what you thought about this book.
1: Oh my gosh, yes, I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, but one of the takeaways from our last conversation and then now kind of I think where we're gonna go with this conversation um, was we talked like last time like, about having a little bit more like self-compassion. And so I thought it would be like a nice thing to like, cause you know, we kind of like end on like recommendations or like, what are you reading? I thought it would be nice to like start with like, how have we like shown ourselves some compassion over the last few weeks?
0: Oh, I like it—a little retrospective. Yeah, and- exactly. Not to be we sure- too techie, but yes, it's a retro. <laughs> it's a retro. Um, it's a debrief. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> we should remind people. Last week we read, or last week, last month we read "Burnout" by Emily Nagoski and, or sorry, Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. Um, yes. And yeah, they talked about self-compassion. That's a good point. You know, I had completely forgotten about that point about the book.
1: <laughs> yes, I was thinking about it. And, you know, and we're also going to dive in and talk about The Body Keeps the Score. And there's a part of that that's also self-compassion. And I feel like if we're doing this kind of series or this kind of season, that's a little bit more um, how to better take care of ourselves. Maybe we could practice what we read.
0: <laughs> I love it. so do you do you want to start do you want me to start I'll kick
1: us off yeah um okay so uh thinking about self-compassion, I um, am having like some frustrations at work. Uh, I, you know, if if you are a person who reads headlines in 2023, um, you have been seeing lots of like layoffs and budget impacts and this fear about a recession. Um, and I have not been laid off, but I have had my like role um, impacted. And so it's been very frustrating because it, there one of the things that I have struggled with is like I didn't do anything wrong like I kind of like have talked to myself in circles about like at least like if I was phoning it in or like not doing a good job or like had poor performance and then had like a career setback like I would have some sense of like why it happened I would have some control or like accountability for like what I did to get me there Um, and then like I could figure out how to like get back on track but these are just fully outside sources I did terrific (laughs) um and i still got knocked down um and i think that there is a part of my brain that was like loud at first and now i've quieted it down that's like you should have known better like you should have figured out how to like outsmart this like other people are navigating career stuff like why is this such a struggle for you uh because my internal brain is very rude um and so i have like that kind of story going on and then as i was thinking like about it and like also talking to my therapist about it um she was like it's interesting because like you're like telling me a story of betrayal um when you talk about your job and I said just full gasp drama gasp I said that is exactly how it feels um and what I struggle with is like I want to be part of the problem so that theoretically I could be part of the solution. And sometimes I'm just not part, I mean, oftentimes I am part of the problem, but this time I'm not (laughs) part of the problem. Um, And so that kind of forced me to be like patient with myself, to like let myself feel both like hurt and betrayed (laughs) by this professional relationship. Um, And also like feel okay with like I could try to find a way to be productive, but for a while, it's okay. If I just am hurt and betrayed and maybe my capitalistic sensibilities don't need me to produce my way out of feeling hurt. Um, And so that has been a journey for the last few weeks, but I feel like I, it was hard at first. And then I like saw myself kind of getting there. And I was like, Oh, this is what we talk about. (laughs) Um, So that was like a nice kind of moment um, of just like, it feels terrible because you have never had to really do it before of just like sitting in a bad feeling and not like immediately pivoting. (laughs) Um, But I've been trying to do it and like kind of let myself kind of feel, feel all of the discomfort of it uh, before I move forward.
0: Well, I think it's awesome that you're, you recognize that. And I mean, it does make me sad to me to, to um, know that you, are hard on yourself about like, oh, I got to find the next thing because like, how could you not be hurt? I think I, I feel like, I mean, professional relationships are similar. I mean, they're relationships. So at the end, we feel all the same emotions. I think that we feel in, you know, even non-professional relationships.
1: Um, I also feel like it's sometimes family, like a relationship where it's like, you're kind mm -hmm. of like entwined in ways that you're not in romantic or like friendships. Like it is like, you know, you, you got to come with the one who brought you, uh, or stick with the one who pays you. <laughs> um, yeah. And the, then trying, yeah, I think all of that is complicated and nuanced.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, y- you have always figured out like the next thing and, you know, how to move forward. So it's not that you're not, that won't happen. It's okay to take time to, like you said, sit in the feeling. Um yeah. although as i'm saying that i'm thinking on my own like last 4 weeks since we last talked or recorded and my own journey with self compassion and that's been really hard <laughs> to yeah. <assume>. it's easier <laughs> said done for sure.
1: Uh and hopefully just like getting into like the the practice of it or like thinking about recognizing it when we do do it or when we attempt it or like why we're failing at it I think is also going to be a part of this might just be helpful as we get used to it
0: I um like have been dealing a lot the past couple months with um I don't know if I would say it's depression per se but like just a mix of a lot of different things going on in different parts of my life that have made it very hard and I think the thing on the the cherry on top is that I'm I live in a place now that is not great for seasonal depression and I know this about myself um that seasonal depression is really hard and uh this winter has been particularly brutal um so I have been very and I was very resistant to like getting back help like I've been, I had gone to therapy for a long time. And kind of like last year was like hoping to, you know, graduate, at least for the time being from therapy. And I had to kind of acknowledge that earlier this month, like humble myself and be like, okay, like it's not working just on my own. So I have to go back. And yeah, um, I think I was pretty tough on myself about that. But now that you're bringing this up, I will practice self-compassion. It's really not until this moment that I'm like, oh, you know, it's okay if I can't do it all by myself or if I need some support that I wish I no longer needed um yeah yeah. I feel like January yeah
1: (laughs) totally um like new year same tools (laughs) (laughs) uh I also feel like it's so uh I difficult to just like have the like right like sense of I, I don't know um like perspective maybe like I think that like what I have found so valuable about like having a therapist is like this is someone whose job it is to just like help me untangle my brain without any like agenda or like you know relation to my life um not really she's a deep relationship to my life if she's listening I don't want her you know <laughs> she, we have a very meaningful relationship um no but like I think that there's a piece of it where it's like it's great that I could just dump all my shit on like the table and like we just sort all the puzzle pieces together um and she's never like wow that's a lot of shit you dumped today or like some days I feel like I'm like I'm in a good mood like I don't have anything to talk to you about and she's like yeah that's fine like it's my job (laughs) to pull these threads you don't ever have to think about like our agenda if you don't want to um and just like having that has been like such like a pillar even like when I don't feel like I'm in crisis like that's I think that that's what I'm trying to to stick this landing on like I don't feel like therapy is only for when I'm in crisis I think it's really helping me shore up skills so that I have less seasons of crisis and more kind of stability working through and progress so I think that the, the wishing that like you didn't need the support is like really real like I think we all kind of wish we could just be the best versions of ourselves the tampon commercial versions of ourselves um you know playing tennis in a white skirt in the middle of my period uh but I'm not not that girl (laughs) Uh because definitely the shit I put on my table for puzzle pieces will be tampons (laughs)
0: um yeah no those are all good I think good reminders and it's been um it's just been like a hard start to the new year think i would say generally yeah yeah, maybe need to be more compassionate about it but um it's also hard to i think change your habits when you're not feeling great about things right like it's like totally um so i think that we should consider going on the
1: jewish new year in september give it that back to school vibe um because i feel like i'm more motivated than than i am ever in january I'm coming off a Christmas sugar high. January first, I'm not my not my best. (laughs) Um, You do a whole thirty in January. Catch me in October.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I did try this. Um, I can't remember if I talked about this last time. I'm trying to do this minimalism challenge in January, where like every day. So day one, you get rid of one thing. Day two, you get rid of two. Day three, you get through day of rid of three things either donate or you know discard or or sell and then by day 30 you're giving away 30 things on the last day Mm -hmm. and that was my challenge myself for january and i got about halfway through and now i'm on day 15 and i'm just like perpetually stuck and it's february so (laughs) i'm also going to be compassionate about myself about like it's okay i'm not going to finish in 30 days but i will finish it at some point later this year and that's fine um but it's been really um That's also been really nice to like, I don't know, I know it sounds cheesy, but like getting rid of things to make right up to make space for new things, you know, even if it's just like T-shirts in your closet or something like, you know, I don't know if there's something a little bit ritualistic about it for me. So totally love that. That's great. A fun little project but again, harder, it's hard to find 50, like when you're like, okay, 15 things. But then the next day is like 16 things. And you're like, oh my God, I got to do this all over again.
1: Yeah. What am I doing? Get, getting rid of my silverware? Like that's too many things. <laughs>
0: sorry, I, did, I did get rid of um all these business cards that I had been holding onto for like 10 years. I don't know why. Um, And I finally sat down and put them all in an Excel spreadsheet. Cause I was too like nervous to just throw out the cards even though I will I don't even remember half these people that I met who knows where and we'll probably never contact them again but I was like okay in order to let them go this is what I need to do so I (laughs) said but there were 350 business cards and I was like do I count each one as a thing like technically they're each thing, but I think it kind of is like not the spirit of the right (laughs) of your challenge yeah you know didn't
1: listen yeah. What I'm hearing is you got extra credit for
0: that day's <laughs> challenge. <laughs> um, but oh, okay, it. so today, today's okay. book, are we jumping?
1: We're jumping in now that we
0: started off with that. But I like uh, doing that. Let's do that again for next time. Yeah,
1: we'll, okay, we'll
0: good. On top of how things have been going.
1: Yeah, I like that too. Little check-ins.
0: Life. Yeah. So t- today is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that's right. Um. I think so. But uh, so I'm curious where you heard f- first heard about this book. Cause I heard about it from a friend a couple years ago, and then have like heard about it, like have heard that phrase used over and over again, like the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. And so it was always kind of like, oh, I should maybe check that out. But I just like didn't dive in until we decided to do it.
1: Yeah. Um I also had like a friend kind of refer it to me um a couple years ago too, I believe. Uh and then I I feel like I heard it a few more times. Um and then I think it popped up on some lists about like best nonfiction, best kind of like uh whatever books for you know, whatever it was. Um so that was kind of how I'd been hearing about it. And then um it had been on my radar and like I was on there was a long waiting list at the library for it and I was like okay like clearly lots of demand for this um and then I ended up using my last audible uh credit for this and so I was listening to it which I feel like was both good and bad because I feel like I like would stop what I was doing and like go to my computer to like write notes real quick and I kind of wish I had a kindle to add notes to or a paper version to ha- add notes to but I you know, just listening to it as I was doing my chores around the apartment. And I I would, like, sit and pause and, like, think about what was being said. And it was – it really – I was surprised. I thought I knew what I was getting into with this book, and I was wrong.
0: I completely agree with you. Yeah. When we first started or when after we decided to do it, I was like, again, like joined the list, the waiting list at the library for the audiobook and the book, and was like, whichever one comes first because the waiting list was so long. Right. I got the audiobook first. So I started that and honestly, I did not like it. And again, this is my struggle with audiobooks. I just I don't know why. I love podcasts, I love books. I don't know why I can't do audiobooks. Yeah but I got kind of turned off um, or not turned off. It's just like, I was like, eh, not interested. Couldn't get past the prologue. And then I like, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't like really revisit it until a couple of days ago when you were like, when are we going to tape? And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, it takes too long to get it from the library. So I ordered it and I've been, and I was kind of like, again, like a little bit like, I don't know, this is, I don't know if I'm into this book, but then I have been like on a tear. It has been so gripping. Yeah. And I never thought I would say that because some of it is very dense and I usually yes. don't like super dense nonfiction, but it really has like gripped me.
1: Yes. And I will also say one, I have let you do on this pod before where I, like could barely get through a book. So please just know you have all of the grace in the world to show up here and be like, fuck this book if you want to. <laughs>
0: No, I, I know, but I will say that I didn't a hundred percent finish it. Um I tried to get through as much as I could and I skipped ahead of some parts, but so I, I feel like I got to 70%. Yeah.
1: But I will oh, yeah. finish it
0: after this. I just perfect. You know.
1: Um I so, yeah, I also it was the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> I also finished it today. So like I wasn't like great with my timing either on this. Um, but I will say a few things about it, kind of like first impressions. Um So first impression was, like, it starts out very heavy. And so, like, I could see why, like, it was hard to kind of get some traction going. Um, I mean, they just drop like, fucking bomb after bomb of, like, terrible stats at the beginning. And, like, I'm just like, oh, fuck me. I cannot, like, read a book that's going to be about Vietnam veterans and, like, a shocking amount of incest. Like, that's not going to be my 2023. Um, (laughs) But, like, it, it moves on. And eventually but like there's just like heavy heavy topics very early on um that like are just ch- like, you, you know reading is like a leisure and like joyful activity for me and I think also for you that like I just cannot be spending it this way when I could be reading fantasy books <laughs> uh, yeah or romance Regency romance like can't do with this but I got through
0: um I was shocked at how much um I mean they talk a lot about childhood abuse and I was shocked about the stats about how many people have been affected by that I was really Same. like blown away I was like wow, I it's a went to look at anything. or it's, I, it's not really talked about that much but yeah
1: like- so he, I wrote some of these stats down so um in like early chapters, he kind of talks about these like CDC statistics and like um, one in five Americans was molested as a child. One in four was beaten by a parent. One in four grew up with alcoholic relatives and one in three couples engage in physical violence. And so those are all pretty traumatic things that happen like at a much greater rate than like I had thought or anticipated um and then he talks a lot a bit about like the knowledge or like the kind of like uh expertise of like of the day for a while was that incest happens bet- like to one in one million americans or something shocking like that like a, like rare like extremely rare but then like the the author of like the treat whatever who was talking about what happens with incest was like it's probably fine like people affected by incest are probably less likely to be psychologically damaged down the line so it's like once again like who the fuck writes medical books and like the medical institution is not great (laughs) just as a baseline um and then also like that's a obviously gets kind of debunked later um as it being more common and like um there's also some interesting stats about um childhood incest being like an indicator for serial killers like You know, just terrible stuff all around. Um, So that's how you kind of like (laughs) enter into this book and you're like, oh boy, like this is going to be tough all around. Um, But then it starts to kind of like get a little bit more broadly applicable um, and less like deeply distressing. Um, But the point of all of that is like that trauma affects most people in some way or the other. And then I think it's also just worth saying um, that like you don't have to have like the worst end of the spectrum of trauma to have it be trauma like whatever is traumatic mm-hmm. to you could could be is is traumatic um it's not like well I don't have it that bad because like at least I'm not getting molested like you know like it's not uh this kind of comparison and like minimizing of like our own experiences um and I felt felt like that was like a, a takeaway I had kind of early on as I was thinking about like how am I going to talk about this <laughs>
0: Well, and he, after he goes through the intro of like a lot of these stats and he gets into more the like science or the biology of like just the neurobiology of how our brain is set up and wired. And I thought that part was absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, And like, I had, I feel like I've read over the years of like things about like our brain reacts, you know, we have like this reptilian brain that like is in fight or flight or freeze mode when we feel a threat coming on and you know, anxiety can like be a factor or a symptom of that, but like his, he goes like much more in depth than I've ever read before. And also I feel like it is still approachable. I mean, there were definitely some terms I didn't understand, but overall you kind of get the gist. And I just felt like it was a really, it really like, I don't know, clarified for me, like, oh, why do uh, when I get stressed or angry, like why do it? Cause sometimes I react in those ways that are very like these outbursts that are hard for me to like control or like I get really upset about or anxious about something. And I just don't know why I'm reacting that way. And it, he like kind of explains like what what is happening in your body, which I thought was great.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think that there's, um, I mean, there's like a section in the book too, where they, he talks about like how when people are describing certain things, like their voices and mannerisms change. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I will sometimes like hear myself talking, like, why do I sound like so bizarre right now? And I think it's like my stress response is like coming out and how I'm like interacting with people. Um, and I think all of that is like really interesting. And, um, you know, he talks a lot about the DSM, which is whatever the, uh, manual for, um, diagnostics, um, uh, behavioral. No, I don't know whatever the DSM stands for. um, but he's like, you know, sometimes, like, the diag- diagnosis is, like, not the whole, like, encompassing thing. Like, sometimes we misdiagnose or, like, you know, the the politics of what gets into the book can be a little bit of, like, a problem. But I feel like I've heard from both people and the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend <laughs> that sometimes the diagnosis is useful in, like, feeling like, one, you're not alone. Um, and two, like, there's a reason your body is doing the thing that it's doing. And even if you don't fully understand what it is yet, like, somebody knows more and can like help you kind of find relief. Um, and so I thought that that was like an interesting part of this as well as like, as they think about like what has worked and like what, um, how they kind of like will bring people through a process, um, to show, to show them, you know, like that the, the touch of their husband is also not the touch of like their rapist or like how to kind of differentiate. Um, because the, the body piece is so visceral that you can't reason with that reaction. Um, until, until you made all this other progress. Um, yeah. What, um, is there anything that like struck you as like particularly like revelatory in how you think about your own, um, like responses to stuff?
0: Uh, yeah, there's, well, there's a couple of things that really, struck me was one, um, was he talked a lot about antidepressant drugs and, um, talking about like some of the different drugs, what they do and how they have helped some people, but they've not helped all. And I think one of the great or uh, things that really illuminated for me, which I guess is obvious now, but he's like, you know, every, we've been, we have all these, um, drugs since for at least 30 40 years right um antidepressants and like if they completely worked then we wouldn't be seeing like as much depression as we still see like there's still a lot of depression even more so um and so it's proof that like there's not like yes they can work for some people or in some cases but it is not like a cure all but that the because of the big pharma and like lots of money that can be made from it um yeah. there is very few studies that, um, look at other ways to, uh, come at this issue and that most of the studies are around medical intervention, which yeah. I thought was interesting.
1: Totally. Um, that's some same point too, about like, if, if it was about like, just like a chemical imbalance, um, in your brain and the medicine would fix it and then we could, you know, manage depression that way. Like why would the rates be at the at where they are like if if this was something that we could just treat well with medication like shouldn't then the numbers be able to come down um significantly and i kind of went on a tangent in my brain about like being part of the yang gang <laughs> again
0: <As in laughs> um andrew uh, yang?
1: yes presidential candidate andrew
0: yang <laughs> i'm just to make sure i was <laughs> um,
1: uh yeah because i was like you know what like thinking about um because he mentions like a comparison between northern european countries um and what they pay for in like parental leave policies or child care or you know parenting classes or like activities or um supports basically for young parents to navigate being first-time parents or whatever age their child you know there's resources for parents basically um and so they end up paying much less to incarcerate anybody um, than America does because they invest in like all this like early childhood development and parenting support stuff. And so I was just thinking like what a universal basic income could do for like early parents because how much of like stress and like trauma for like young parents is like the financial burdens of like, am i going to make it to work if my kid is sick, you know, all these things that like this American system really like has disadvantaged young middle and like lower class families um, or parents and how they n- navigate kind of what comes next. And so I think that there's just something d- deeply broken in our system because of like how much like that impacts, like what comes next. Like, you know, people who are struggling in a bunch of different ways are not going to be able to like have self-compassion, to be patient. Like you got to kind of like pour from a full cup and, you know, uh, America like the, the structure we have to empty everybody's cups. And so just made me really think about what we could do to better support families So that they could better take care of the kid in the way that makes the most sense for them, so that they could, you know, not traumatize children, and then we would have a slightly better
0: society, maybe.
1: Like prevention,
0: Uh, like prevention methods. Like why is that so less funded than like the stuff after the fact? Yeah. Not that the like stuff that comes later shouldn't be supported as well, but it's like if you know that certain interventions help dramatically, yeah, why not do them? Right. um but I mean that's a whole I'm sure like political right. discussion around w- what we support in this country
1: <laughs> totally um but that was just like what I was thinking where it's like you know as crazy as like that kind of like sounded first to me or, like a universal basic income not it didn't sound that crazy to me um but you know it does kind of like ring shocking when you're kind of grown right born and raised in this kind of like American psyche of pick yourself up by your bootstraps um but then you think like what what how materially that could help people um and the impacts of it was just a thing I was thinking about during that section of this book um because yeah I think that that's like a real piece of this too um
0: one of the um things that I really um another thing that struck me and maybe this will be my homework for next time is I've really tried like with meditation, like so hard for so many years. And it's just like very difficult. Um, and he explains why like meditation works and what it does. And the fact that like, he explains like the left brain, which is like more executive function, like, and then the right brain that's more emotional or kind of this more reptilian brain, like basically meditation helps you almost in a way it feels like strengthen the left brain to when you have those moments of panic or stress or anxiety to kind of like recognize what is real distress. And he uses this analogy of the fire alarm. Like what is a true fire or like when your smoke alarm goes off, is it because there's a true fire or is it just maybe like you burned something on the stove and um, that your left brain can help modulate that. But like meditation and he talks about some other techniques in the book but help kind of strengthen that and so I was like oh I was like that's why everyone's been trying to get me to meditate for so long (laughs) or like to do mindfulness or um yo he talks about yoga a lot as well in the book and I'm like oh that's why those things are people like them (laughs) and I should go back to them like I go through phases but it's something I feel like I should go back to
1: Yeah. Uh, I was thinking the same thing about like yoga and like, you know, I have, I go, I pay for a fancy gym membership and I never go to the classes. Like I just don't want a space to go that's outside of my house to, to work out. Um, but I do feel like I should start going to those yoga classes, um, for this exact reason. Um, and like the yoga particularly, like, you know, a real theme of this book is like the mind body relationship is like both like very real and very strong. And so like what your body senses, like your mind will figure out a store, a narrative to, to tell you um, ab- about what's happening or like how to kind of protect you. Um, and so your body and brain are working together to protect you, to make sure that you like survive. And so yoga is like a way to like better integrate like your mind body connection. And I feel like I, certainly was somebody who like had a lot of disconnect in my mind and body like I think that there's been a lot of times in my life where it's like you know my mind is great and terrific and like you know bright and shiny and then my body is just like the thing that carries my mind around and um and I'm sure that that was like a useful tool for me at various points but like I really like started to recognize that like that disparate like view of myself is like not ideal <laughs> and like not not the direction like I'm going at. like I'm feeling much more like connected but it's like oh I'm, I'm probably still like repairing some of the damage of that like era of like thinking that these were like two separate parts of me and one was good and one was bad um and how do I better like connect the two and feel at home in both of them um which is why I was like I should get back to yoga because <laughs> I'm not yoga yeah. since the pandemic because I can't do it at home <laughs>
0: I did find, um, because I also like, I prefer going to the studio because I feel like at home, I just, I don't really do it as well. But um, there's this one yoga channel I found, our yoga YouTube channel by this lady. It's called Sarah Beth Yoga. Um, And she does really, what I like is her videos are short, love a 10 minute, 20 minute, minute. and they're not super intense. Like it's more about like, yeah, like physical sensation or stretching. It's not like a workout in the like, burn calories in like a hot yoga studio. And yeah. I really, so I don't know, I've been doing a couple of those here and there. um, And I like that. Cause yeah, it's more about like, how's your body feeling or just kind of moving it very slowly rather than um, this like workout class. Cause I, I feel like there was also with the yoga trends, there was also this like oh, you have to be super flexible. And like, then my competitive nature is like, oh, look at that person in the class, like doing a headstand. And I can't do that. And I know that's not the point of yoga, but it's definitely something that happens to me when I'm in yoga class that I have to also.
1: I feel like I've gotten better from that because I had a friend who was a yoga instructor. Um, who was, like, fat, black, and disabled, and she was a yoga instructor, and she's like, ah, we can get it. Like, if you have a yoga teacher who doesn't have props, then they are not a good yoga teacher. And I was like, what? What? I could just have props all the time. It's not That's just restorative best. yoga where props are allowed. <laughs> um, and so I felt like it was really nice to have that as, like, a, a very accessible way, because I, I am not flexible. I don't think I've ever been flexible, Um, but I'm trying, like, dumb, not dumb mobility. It's very... Good mobility work now, but I'm like trying to take care better care of my joints because I feel like stationary too long in a chair all day. Um, and I gotta be better about like taking good care of my joints. I've been doing mobility, and so now I feel like that's an easy gateway drug into yoga again. I hope I'm gonna try. <laughs> um, but having like that as an example that's to bring it back, having somebody as an example of like yoga bodies don't look a certain way it's not just like beautiful blonde women on beaches like um and like you know there's more to it um like the matching breathing with the poses is like the important part of yoga which like i had never really been taught in kind of um like more superficial the yoga type studios like you know this kind of western version of yoga um so kind of getting that breath body connection i think is maybe where I start with this endeavor.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm thinking, cause I'm like, I don't feel like sometimes I'm very in touch with my body. Like he, and he talks about that, how like people who have suffered trauma are so out of touch and like, can't even like identify where they feel certain things or like how they feel. And like, I've definitely felt that way where like, you know, in therapy, your my therapist will ask, well, like, where are you feeling this? Or like, what do you feel? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. In a and freezer so- in the garage is not in my body here. <laughs> and so like being more aware of that. But, um I th- I like how he also talks about some of the physical symptoms of like trauma, just like how it can manifest in terms of like disease disease or illness or mm-hmm. um, you know, that there is like this important link between the two and that your body is trying to tell you something um, which again, I also feel like is a new thing for me that has helped over the past few years, is I've dealt with a few different, like, um, sim- like physical symptoms of different things. And it's like, okay, well, why is this manifesting itself? Like right now I'm going through really bad TMJ. Um, and it's been really bad for like over a year. And it's like, okay, well, there's probably some stress, like, there's something that has made it work. I mean, I've always been prone to it, but something has definitely made it worse. Right. And I don't know, maybe that's all like, mumbo jumbo but i do feel like there's yeah there's connections i don't know
1: yes i don't feel like it's mumbo jumbo um i feel like we don't always recognize it for what it is right away but like i do think that like for sure like the connections like exist um and like you know we've talked we talked about this in burnout where it's like your body like reprioritizes different parts of like um your system when you respond, like fight, flight, or freeze, um, like teaches your body kind of like how to triage information and react accordingly. Uh, and so I do think that there's like parts of that that are happening in real time. Um, and like flare-ups of like all sorts of things I think are real. And like, I feel like I noticed like, um, like thinking about like trauma response stuff, like it just is like, feels super disjointed until like the light bulb goes off. And like, you see it kind of like, Oh, I see
0: now how my body made these connections (laughs) and did all these things. (laughs) Our bodies are smarter than we think they are. I think I'm realizing like, Oh, it's trying to tell me something. And there there's one, there's one quote from a lady who starts to do yoga about something about like, she's like, you know, my body is trying to tell me something and I'm, I'm here to listen. And it's like, yeah. Maybe the reason, maybe your body knows even before you're cognizant of it or conscious of it. that yeah. it's
1: up. Um, like, you know, the TikTok tock girlies that we'll talk about doing certain like yoga poses, like particularly like hip poses that, and they just like start crying. Um, I do think that there's like a connection of like, uh, both like the vulnerability of like the pose, but also like focusing like your breath and like the feeling the stretch and like whatever is all happening i do think that like sometimes like the the like the tear response and like the crying response happens like before like your you could your brain can catch up like your body has figured it out first um, which i think is interesting but yeah i agree i very much agree Uh, What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Traumatized people chronically feel unsafe inside their bodies. Um, And I feel like that's, like, a part of it, too, where it's, like, trusting your body to X, Y, or Z. um, It all kind of, like, adds to, like, the layer, the layers of this. And, like, you know, certainly speaking from someone who has not had, like, a severe trauma, just, like,
0: classic. It's all relative. Right. (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, I j- just didn't want to like speak to like um, you know more severe end of like the spectrum, but like I do sometimes like my body will react to stress or threats in a way that like are what eventually cues my brain in to like wh- like why is my heart racing right now? Like what what has happened? Like what why am I suddenly like aware where the exits are? Like you know it's just like little um, things where like my body will process information so much faster than my brain could connect the dots. Sometimes I feel like our bodies are just trying to like outmaneuver our brains cuz our brains are getting in the way.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're probably right. I I mean, I think that's back to the like narrative that you can tell yourself of, like why things are happening, right? Yeah. Um but until you like th- that was something and that he talks about like until you deal with the body part of it, like you'll never really fully basically be able to move on. Yeah. Um, and I thought this stuff around like touch, especially like physical touch being really important, whether it's like massage therapy or like having, you know, why hugs are really important or just, um, you know, being comfortable with touch is like, was also really, um, I thought it changed my view of like, why that's so important, you know? Um Yeah.
1: I also and to like the same point like the um he talks a lot about pets as therapy um where it's like you know we're mammals and so like oh yeah no that's fine. <laughs> Uh, It might have been, like, just a little section, too, Um, but he talked about people, children in particular, who had gone through, like, extreme trauma, Um, and, like, there was the case of one girl who was, like, nonverbal, and she got put into a program where she was in charge of, like, grooming a horse and then also got to do, like, some introductory, like, dressage lessons or whatever, Um, and over time, like, her connection with, like, the horse was, like, really valuable and like she started to talk and like she started to make friends like at this like horse camp with like other kids who were there doing stuff and like it was like a a way for her body to like reintegrate into like she could care for this animal and like they could build a relationship and even though like it was a horse and a a girl like um the connection that they built kind of rewired her into like how she could trust and connect and then to have that as like the subject for what she talked to other people about like gave her like an easier entry point into like what her recovery was so they talked about how um particularly like dogs and horses were valuable for people uh like as therapy uh touch therapy to kind of like rebuild and like rewire those communications um whatever uh, skills in our bodies i guess um so yeah i thought that was like a good and interesting thing to and like I, like once like he outlines it kind of dives into it you're like oh man like i could see that um but it's like really interesting to see like the science and like the the data that they have to kind of support it
0: yeah exactly and it's like oh well that makes sense now why so many people have dogs and why um they say dogs are man's best friend um right. oh woman's best friend you know yeah um and it's like oh there's like actual support for that um mm-hmm. and i thought that that was, was interesting and i i guess part of me is a little bit surprised that this came out in i think 2014 so almost yeah. 10 years ago and i just feel like i haven't like we're still very slow to adopt some of these different um approaches as a, at least like one like integrating them into like or at least from what my experience has been, it's like, it's primarily been therapy or pharmacological, is that a word? Pharmaceutical intervention. Um, and yes, there's more about like meditation, breath work, you know, yoga gets suggested, but like even the stuff around MDMA or some of the other, um, EDMR, which I had also not heard about, like, I've never really like been exposed to that or or have that even like brought up as like a potential option?
1: Yeah. Um. I will admit EDMR didn't like appeal to me like as much. Like I kind of was just like brrr about that part of it, just because that was like less um compelling to me as some of the other parts of the the book. Um. But it is. Oh, let's like confirm what it is so that people know what we're saying. I, I have
0: zero recollection of the, What it stands for. It's the where uh, your eye you like yeah. talk, think about a memory and your eyes follow
1: eye movement uh desensitization desensitization and reprocessing um so it's a type of psychotherapy that treats emotional symptoms that follow trauma such as ptsd um yeah and so yeah Okay, Another sorry. one is writing,
0: like we talk. Um, I think we talked about that offline before we started, but that writing, why writing is so helpful, and he talks about that and like journaling. And now I'm like, oh, again, like something else that people kind of loosely suggest, but now he, there's more like robust science, I think, behind like how it works or why it works and being able to process um, different emotions or trauma. So I will say that that has, I've like started to, I don't really love to journal in the like, you know, write long sentences about my day and like, but I like making lists or just like jot down like very quick notes. And I find that that is very, very helpful. Um, yeah.
1: The uh, so heading of that chapter was language, miracle and tyranny. I thought that was a good title. <laughs> um, I am not a consistent journaler. I am like a journaler to solve a problem um in my brain like I just need to like sit there for a minute and like try to articulate what I'm trying to say because internally my internal monologue will like stop too soon and if I have to like write it out then like it forces me to kind of complete my thought, which is great um yeah and uh, journaling for like I, I think that that has been like a tool that I have personally like found super useful um like forcing myself to articulate the feelings um gives me like the patience to like find the right word or to like better describe what I'm feeling um in ways that don't happen as easily in like conversations or even just like trying to like think it through I feel like I I will rush past the painful part in my brain and if I have to write it down it kind of forces me to complete it and then I can release it I guess um Well, sometimes I don't
0: even know like the emotion. And one of those things that's been helpful is like there's these emotional, I don't know what they're called, but I'm going to call it like an emotional wheel or something. Mm -hmm. And I think there's one in, I had read Brene Brown's like Atlas of the Heart, where she goes through the different emotions and feelings and kind of how they're similar or distinct. I didn't get through that whole book, but it was interesting. Um, But anyways, there's these wheels that you can look at and it will start with like a bigger bucket of emotion like sad and then it will whittle down to like well what kind of sad like melancholy or like you know um maybe feeling like uh discouraged or you know and it'll like kind of like slowly kind of route you to a more narrow or descriptive um emotion and i found those really helpful i should do that more yeah. i don't know maybe like i'll print one out or something put it in my journal yeah,
1: I think I that that's actually a really good idea. It's putting out and putting it in the journal. Um, I'm gonna make a I,
0: myself for yeah, my yeah,
1: a little note to self. Yeah, I feel like that's a piece where I'm uh, notoriously bad because I would like to just present uh, happy and easygoing emotions because that is a safer emotional lane to be in. Uh, and so I feel like when I get uh, out of my kind of equilibrium, I usually know how I got there. But also, I will feel frustrated, and then it turns out I'm just very angry, and I just am scared to be angry about things. And so frustrated feels a little bit more comfortable until I acknowledge. So it's really like the TLDI for me. I'm secretly just really angry. <laughs> well, here's
0: a curveball that my therapist threw at me the other week: is if you're angry, it's because there's always sadness or grief underneath. Oh yeah. I was uh-huh. like, Oh gosh.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> anger is also more comfortable than uh pain and so and anger is still very uncomfortable for me um well any other any
0: other thoughts or things we didn't cover yes
1: final thought well i mean it could be final thoughts i don't want to rush us but like um kind of towards the end like the uh the last section of the book is like paths to recovery because it kind of like paints a dire picture throughout the book obviously um (laughs) it's like uh stories are
0: truly horrific like some some of the trauma stories are are they really
1: are um yeah real tough and then um you know sometimes you just like meet someone you're like oh this is just like a ding dong out in the world um and then like you uncover like the 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 depth of the trauma you're like oh geez okay sorry i thought you were ding dong um (laughs) and so because of how i think um dire some of these like cases are like i'm glad that he ended with this kind of like path forward um suggestion um and so that's where the writing stuff comes in that's where the yoga stuff comes in edmr came in there too um but i thought that the one that was i I find to be particularly valuable is like creating structures, um, and like how much like connection is a part of like the path, um, to healing trauma. And like, you know, part of like back, back to like hugs and like feeling connected and close to people and having like structures around you to like support your recovery or like connection to people, um, as like a valuable tool, I think is very important, um, like generally and then also like specifically in the context of like trauma recovery uh and like being able to like you know not everybody has a thing that they're going to want to talk to just like any stranger they meet but like being able to develop close relationships with people to help like talk through like what your sticking points are or like where you struggle um and then like have someone who like you care about and cares about you kind of like help you navigate that i feel like really like lightens the load in like a meaningful way and like I'm like a lazy person intrinsically, so like, am I gonna commit to yoga three times? Okay, a week? Well, I'm probably not.
0: I'm gonna okay. push back on you on that one. Like, I'm just gonna call you out because I don't think that's true. Okay, will
1: talk. But okay, okay, well, okay. Uh, well, I've yet to prove to myself that I could do yoga three times a week for a consistent amount of time. Um, but I definitely feel like I can and do like rely on like circles of friends, um, for like support and care. And like that has been, I think, essential to like my like emotional well being. Um and particularly like notable during the and after and during because it still is the pandemic. <laughs> um. um yeah, so that was like the last piece I kind of just wanted to name before we wrap.
0: Yeah, I mean I my I kind of shared what I thought about it but I I think it's a great read. I do recommend people pick it up. I think it's m- worthwhile. Um yeah. and to stick with it if the if the beginning is a little tough, um I yeah. think there's yes. some sort of interesting insights into it. So
1: check out that table um, of contents. Yeah. Flip to the section that you are interested in and then if that catches you then you can flip around a little bit more. Um I do feel like I might need to like uh review it again and think about some, some pieces. Like, I think I was like, you know, not like going super fast, but I was like, kind of like trying to like, you know, finish my assignment. <laughs> um, and I think that kind of your going book back, report, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Um, and I think that kind of going back with curiosity and like, this is the theme in the book too, like uh, approaching your body with curiosity and not fear is like valuable. And I think kind of going back to this with like some curiosity would also be like useful for me um rather than just like um I need to again be a performer (laughs) Uh, but yeah I agree I thought it was a great book it really interesting I some pieces had made their way into my brain already some pieces of information were brand new which is nice I love
0: that I am um sorry I should have said this at the top but I have to run to drop Matthew off for an appointment (laughs) Yeah. But um before we end, and I'll I can edit this part out, but I just wanted to pick our next book. Yeah. Um, which I would like to make a case for How to Calm Your Mind by Chris. Done.
1: Dick. case made.
0: Okay. Cause I'm like I've been reading it and I really like it. And I'm just like curious what your thoughts are. So
1: perfect. Let's do I it. I shouldn't
0: have said I like I should have just gone in unbiased, but oh well, anyways. Who cares? <laughs> this is for us. <laughs> but this was a great one. Thank you. Thank you. This is great about the abrupt ending.
1: No, Uh, no worries. We were landing this plane anyway. So it worked out great. Um, And you saved me from talking in circles as I organized my thoughts. (laughs) Um, This was wonderful. I uh, be ready to talk about self-compassion next time we meet. Um, And I can't wait to talk to you soon.
0: Same.
1: Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.